I just want to say hello and welcome and hello online audience. I don't think anybody has acknowledged you today. Welcome. It's great to see you if there is anyone online. And church, what I want to do today is I want to finish um, our preaching series on discovering what our core values are. I want to finish that. But let me just pray before we get started and then we'll go from there. Dear Lord, I thank you for, Lord, bringing everyone here today to church, Lord. You know, God, it is such a wonderful uh, part of the week, Lord God, when uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord God, can come together, Lord God, in, you know, all different things going on, you know, journeys being lived, Lord God, um, and, but just to bring everyone together, Lord God, under your word, Lord God, there's no better place to be, no better place, Lord God, where, you know, you can bring us um, hope and, and, and truth and Lord God, vision, Lord God, for the future. And we thank you, Lord God, that we can gather around your word. I pray you speak to our hearts, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. So church, for those who have been here, you know that I've been speaking about um, our values, which lay a foundation for what In Church Canberra, I believe, you know, cares about. And it's even more than just In Church Canberra. The stuff that I've been speaking about is just the body of Christ. What do we what truly matters, what really, really is important. It provides a common purpose that each member can understand, work towards, and live by. My heart is that, you know, communication is key, right? Speaking about what really matters is important. Otherwise, we can kind of just move into the future with a whole lot of ideas. But really, you know, speaking about what truly matters and having everyone's hearts linked into that so that we can move forward in unity because God commands a blessing when, when his people are unified, believing one thing. So that is the purpose of why we've been really talking about our values. Um, you know, well, actually, some of the values that I've been speaking about, we've described them more as the five essentials, right? Or the five non-negotiables or even the five immovables, this is some of the, the, the non-negotiables, things that we would, never, we would never go back on. In fact, what we've named them in the past few weeks was the hills that we die upon. The hills that we die upon. And let me give you some context because I know that for some, you've heard this preaching series. For others, you might not have been here. And so just a little bit of context to what I'm talking about. Down through the centuries, military commanders have prized the high ground, okay? The high ground. Take it and you can gain control of the battle. Military commanders have weighed the cost of taking and holding a given hill and knew the ones that, if necessary, they would die upon. Hills that we cannot give up. Ground that the Lord needs us to hold on to and say, no, 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 we are not stepping back. We, this, is, this is a place that we need to stay put on. So what are the hills that we die upon as followers of Christ? So let me give you just a quick revision, and I'm going to give you the last one today. Okay, so the first one we spoke about was mission and discipleship. Making his last command our first priority. And truly, church, I don't want to just, you know, uh, preach these values without heart behind what I'm saying. You know, making his last command our first priority. I'll tell you what, I've always been passionate in my life, whatever workplace I've been at, 
whoever I speak to, to be bold and to share Jesus Christ with others, right? Because that is his command for us. When he, when he went to heaven, he said, this is what I leave with you. Pretty much giving us, he handed over the baton, the baton, baton, sorry. He handed over the baton to us and said, go into all the world and make disciples. So it's important. It's something that as Christians, we should always remember that we are not on this earth just to you know, grow in our own faith and just to be insular and, and think about our own problems and our own things. I truly believe, church, that the health of a church is one that is outward focused, one that is thinking about others, right? When you're thinking about others, God grows you to be able to be more mature in Him because suddenly it's not just about me, but it's about others. We can do this by reaching Canberra as well as the rest of the world through our missions giving. And I love the fact that we are part of a very generous church that is a part of missions giving. And you know, I've said it before, whether it's a little bit or more, it doesn't matter. It's what the heart behind your giving is all that matters, right? The fact that I say, Lord, I have a buy-in, I'm in. Jesus himself taught, taught us to broaden our scope and broaden our vision. Don't be tunnel vision. Don't just focus on, you know, um, just your own local community, but think broadly, think big. You know, and I shared with the church, for, for those who remember, um, in January, I had the opportunity to go to India, and I'm excited about that. I'd, any Indians in this building, please come and give me advice, right? We have a couple months left. Teach me what I need to know, because it will be great for me to understand, you know, what I'm about to go into, and it's exciting. We're going to go see where we um, have uh, the establishment built that you know, removes cataracts from people's eyes. And we're going to be able to see, I'm going to be able to see that and really come back and give you, uh, the church, a real report of what you know, we are doing as a church, collectively, as a global church, in the nations of the world. And I can't wait for that. But broaden your horizon. Don't just focus on your little world, right? Not that our world's a little, but just think bigger as well, right? Lord, let us reach Canberra and the rest of the world. That was the number one hill that we spoke about, the hill that we die on. That is our priority as a church, as individuals to own that. Not just as what we believe as a church, but as an individual to take ownership of that and say, Lord, allow me to be a bearer of truth. The second one I spoke about was prayer. And let me just share something about prayer. Prayer, oh, hang on a second. Oh, hello. Oh, it's, it's Sonny. And um, hi, Sonny. This was deliberate, by the way. I thought I, I planned this, so I'll explain. Here's the thing about prayer. I got your attention, hey, in case you were falling asleep, Sonny. Oh. Here's the thing about prayer. What I love about prayer is Sonny just hung up, but when I enter into my day, right, in the morning, and I acknowledge God, in prayer, and I'm not talking about, you know, over the top prayer, 40 minutes, one hour, or anything like that. Just a moment where you say, God, I need you today. Be with me. Lead me through my day. Guide me. It's like you've called heaven, right, with your telephone. It's like you've dialed heaven. And the beauty of it is, is for the remainder of the day, right, I don't hang up. There's this connection that I have have with God, I've established from the beginning, and all throughout my day, 
my phone remains connected to heaven, to God. And he helps me. And I'll tell you, church, something, right? This is, this is again, not just something that we're, you know, is, not, is lifeless, what I'm trying to say. I'm, please hear me. The difference of when I pray, right, in the morning, when I establish my, my heart on the things of the Lord, I'll tell you the difference of that to when I don't, it's, it makes a world of difference, right? God knows the details of your day. He knows the conversations that are ahead. He knows the challenges that you're going to face. When you come in the morning and you say, Lord, be in my day. God, you know what's ahead. Thank you that your grace is sufficient for whatever I'm going to go into today. When you pray and acknowledge God, you stay connected. You stay on that line all day long. And it makes a world of difference the way you treat your family members, the way you treat others. The Holy Spirit, you've tuned in your, your spirit into that place of connection with God. And it remains that way right from the morning until you lay your head on that pillow. Prayer declares our utter, utter dependency upon God, doesn't it? It really takes your control, what you think you can control, right? And you hand that control over to God. And you say, God, you are in control. You know what? Sometimes when you pray, you might not get your answer straight away. But even the, the, um, even the, 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 the decision to come and surrender your life and pray, you get a peace from God that surpasses all understanding because you've literally acknowledged Him as the one in control. You have, you have acknowledged your limitations and you've said, God, I am here and I'm praying. I'm laying down the needs and the burdens that I carry and I'm giving Him over to you. I'm surrendering Him over to you. And when you do that, God's peace come, comes and rests upon your spirit and your heart. I'm telling you, that is the truth. Prayer acknowledges that He is in control. Prayer reminds me that He is so big and that I am so little and I need Him so much. Can anybody say amen to that? You are not designed, church, to carry a whole bunch of burdens and the weight of the world upon your shoulders. You are not designed. You know why many people have internal issues and difficulties? Because many people carry what they're not meant to carry. So my encouragement to you is in prayer, give it over to Him. It could be the smallest detail of something that nobody else would think matters. But to you, it's burdening you. Hand it over to Him. Say, God, you know where I'm at. And I'm handing this over to you. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I love that scripture. It just says it's the tr you, you can do nothing without me. So don't stop trying to do this without me. The value of the vine to the branch is the value of prayer to the church. We value church, esteem, and hold dear prayer. And if you haven't done it, can I encourage you? Don't try and become a superhero overnight and, you know, raise your 
um, expectation of yourself to be meeting an hour a day or something. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about a simple moment in the morning or wherever you start your day. Because some are night shifters. Anyone a night shifter here? I know Jess Harvey is. (laughs) Acknowledge God and say, God, I want you to take control. I want you to be in control of my day. The next one um, that we spoke about was the word. The third hill was the word of God. The word is living, church, and eternal. God's word transcends time. It really does. It's always been existent. It always will be present. The word transcends time. God's word is truth. There is so much confusion out there, isn't there? So much people searching for what truth is, confused, you know, making decisions that as Christians, when you look and you see from, you know, your worldview of being a Christ-like person, you're thinking, man, truth is beautiful. When you know truth, it sets you free. You don't have to live confused. You don't have to live bound. Truth comes from God's Word. It's pure. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It, 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 It convicts us. It builds us. It challenges us. It changes us. The Word of God is not just to be read but it's also to be obeyed, right? We are not just listeners or hearers of the word, but we are doers of the word, right? Because the power of having God's word come alive in your life is when you apply what God says into your life. The word conforms me to his image, making me more like Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus. I don't want to be more like any other you know, pastor or any other person. I want to be more like Jesus. I want, to, I want to grow and understand how it is to really, you know, love people. And, 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 you know, Lord Jesus, teach me how you lived. There was no one greater, no one who lived on this earth without, you know, having ulterior motives. Jesus was perfect. Everything he did was not to gloat or to boast, but he did the will of the Father. Jesus, help me to be like you. And your word, it conforms me to be more and more like Jesus. The word is our true north, church, directing us in every season. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Whether it is a difficult season, whatever season you are in, his word is a light and it will give you the direction that you need to go. You know, living in Canberra for like um, less than a year, I really rely upon my navigation device, my GPS, okay? I'm slowly getting there. I know where Pastor Sue and Sid live. Fantastic, without my GPS. I know where Doug and Julie live. I better know because it's just on the same street as me. So it'd be pretty bad if I didn't. But the point is, I need my nav man, right, to get me around Canberra. I need the Word of God to get me around life. I, I, I need God's direction. I need my, my navigation tool that is reliable, that is trustworthy, that won't lead me down the wrong path, that won't take me out to a farm when I was meant to go to the beach. It will take me exactly where I need to go. And my last point on the Word before I 
speak about the Holy Spirit is every time, church, you open up your Bible and you read God's Scripture, you are literally planting seed into your life. You're planting seed, okay? And it is good seed. And here's the thing. You might be in a season that is wonderful right now and things are just glorious and wonderful. But let me tell you something. When all chaos breaks out and challenges happen, because we know they do, and I don't wish upon any of us challenges or difficulties, when you have planted seed regularly all the time, in the moments when you face that adversity, guess what comes to the surface? It's what you planted, the seed of God's Word. And it arises and it comes and it gives you aid in the moments when you are most desperate. God's Word begins to help you be your remedy, be your healing balm. It helps you be able to navigate the difficult circumstances that you're in. So my encouragement to you is embrace and love God's Word. It is a hill that we die on. And last week, who was here for last week with Joelle's Word? Wasn't it wonderful? She really was able just to you know, give us a wonderful understanding of the Holy Spirit, the fourth hill. The Holy Spirit is not a what. The Holy Spirit is a who. Okay, The Holy Spirit is a distinct member of the Trinity. You know, who, who remembers the example? I, I, the orange. We had an orange or a mandarin, and we have the skin of the mandarin. We have the actual, you know, the, uh, what are they called? The, um, thank you, as long as everyone knows. <laughs> and then we have the seed, three in one, but it is one. And the Holy Spirit is God. He's not some mystical you know, wayward spirit that we're kind of like hovering somewhere. No, no. He is God and He is with us and He helps us. We can do nothing, nothing for God without the Holy Spirit. And isn't that the, isn't that the truth? Isn't that the case? We often, you know, pray before we start a service. I know the worship team gets together and I know before coming on a Sunday, I pray, I say, Holy Spirit, Please come and have your way because only you can speak into people's hearts. Only you can convict and, and, and sh shun light on. Only you can. I can't. Only you can, Holy Spirit. We can do nothing without the Holy Spirit. And she also reminded us, Joel reminded us that the Holy Spirit will speak to us through the Word of God, which is what I just spoke about. John 14, 26 says, But the Helper, and this is the Amplified Bible, Comforter, Advocate, Intercessor, Counselor, Strengthener, Standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf, He will teach you all things and He will help you remember everything that I have told you. And He is faithful and he does. He reminds us. And he, here's the thing. Here's my last encouragement before I give us our last final hill is this. The Holy Spirit is speaking, church. It's up to us if we're listening, right? He speaks. Sometimes the challenge is 
so is my flesh and so is my selfishness. And, you know, it's which voice is louder sometimes in my life. You know, it's my selfish nature. It's my flesh rising up while the Holy Spirit, he's also speaking and he's giving me what to do and how to do it. And yet sometimes we can be ignorant because we battle with that, don't we? I know I do. So let me encourage you, the Holy Spirit, he wants to speak to us. It's up to us to tune our ear in and say, Holy Spirit, I'm listening. I am listening and I need you. But today, let me share the fifth and the final hill. And I believe this one is pretty awesome because I think it's going to relate to many of us. I know it definitely, definitely relates to me. The fifth, non-negotiable. Our fifth hill is authenticity. Authenticity. As opposed to hypocrisy and duplicity and insincerity, being honest, being earnest, being authentic as Christians, this is a hill worth dying on. I don't know about you, but who is tired of seeing, you know, on the news, men of God and different things happening, breaking out where, you know, men of God falling and different, and different things happening across the board in the church. I think what the church desires or people desire more than anything is just authentic Christians, real Christians, right? Not fake, not trying to be something we're not. I love this quote. It says this, The first key to greatness is to be in reality what we appear to be. Isn't that true? I, I know for me, this can be a struggle for me. And here I am being authentic with you. <laughs> I think it's important. But, you know, sometimes when you're with the people you love, there's a certain comfort with the people that you love. And, you know, you can let your guard down of, of being well-behaved or you can, get, you can get frustrated or irritable or, you know, lose your temper more often. But then I, I, for me, I get convicted about that because I'm like, you know what? Is, that who you, is, so, is this who you are or is this who you are, right? Are you this person or are you that person? I don't know if anyone's ever struggled with that, but Lord, help me. Help me, God, to be what you see is what you get. Authentic in my walk with the Lord. This is another wonderful quote. Honesty and transparency make you vulnerable. <laughs> be honest and transparent anyway. It can make you feel a little uncomfortable when you get honest, right? Because suddenly people get to see who you really are, right? But do it anyway because you would rather live in truth authentically before the Lord than not to. 
2 Corinthians 1.12 says this, For our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience, that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God and more abundantly toward you. Simplicity and sincerity. Not pretending and posing. No. The scripture reminds us of how we ought to live. Sincere, simple, but authentic. Church, I'm not talking about guiltless or sinless or faultless. Thank God I'm not talking about that because I think we'd all have to leave the building, right? I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is being open and honest and unpretentious. Even if it hurts, even if I feel vulnerable doing it, even if when I open up, people may look at me differently or they might not approve me as I want them to approve me because I can't believe you struggle. I can't believe you've got a problem with this. I would rather live in that place than to be living fake and not real. I'm talking about walking humbly and keeping short accounts with God. Can I just say this, and I truly believe this, that authenticity, it actually sets you free. It really does. And let me share. I know for me, I was a young guy, and here's me again being authentic. And I didn't plan on struggling with lust, but I did. I began to struggle with lust. And I felt like it was like I fell into a trap where before you know it, I hated my sin. I felt like a hypocrite. I didn't, didn't like the season that I was in, and yet I felt at the time like I was completely bound. Fell into a trap of it. But you know what I did, right? I actually called an elder, a trusted person in my life. I called them and I said, hey, can we catch up and can we talk? And you know what was beautiful about this story that I want to share? Is when I met with this person, his response was authentic, not condemning me, but instead coming to my level and giving me the tools through Scripture to overcome my battle. So what I'm saying, and it got awfully quiet in here. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you speak and you share and you, and you begin to do whatever you got to do. Let me just say something. Authenticity, it can set you free because what happens is when you're willing to open up, this is me. This is me having a problem. This is me struggling in a certain area. And not being afraid to look less than, I was able to be set free because then help came. Does that make sense? 
then encouragement came. And hey, this is what I did when I had my battles. And this is what you can do. It sets you free. It really does. And by the way, I'm still accountable today. I have people in my life and I believe in accountability. I believe accountability and authenticity kind of tie in together nicely, don't they? Still to this day, I have people in my life that I am accountable to and authentic to. And if I'm struggling, I will share with them. And I will say, hey, I'm struggling. Can you help me? And I believe being authentic is, is as simple as that. It's being accountable. It's being somebody that will say, do you know what? It's, I feel vulnerable. I feel a little bit uncomfortable. But I would rather live in the light, live in truth. I would rather not be bound and come to God and come to the people of God and help me get through my problems as we do this together. Amen? So here's me being authentic. I believe connect is another great place where you can be authentic. Be yourself. And if you haven't been yourself, can I encourage you? Start being yourself. <laughs> it's exhausting. Has anybody tried to be somebody that they're not? It is exhausting. You know, because God knows who you are. You can't fool God. And God made you uniquely. He made you beautifully. Fearfully and wonderfully, you were made. In your mother's womb, he knit you together. Just be you. Don't be anybody else. Be your authentic self. King David was at that time when he fell. And by the way, when I'm talking about men falling, I'm not putting any condemnation on men that have fallen. I'm just sharing, you know, a little bit of, I guess, um, authenticity with, 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 with this example and, and trying to help us grasp something. But I know David, King David, when he fell with Bathsheba, he wasn't authentic. He actually moved on with his life and he did his thing. And it was the prophet that came to him and shared a story with him. He said, David, he said, once upon a time, there was a man... And he had many sheep. He had many, many sheep. And then there was another man who had one sheep or one lamb. And that lamb was precious to him and he loved it like a pet. It was like, a, it was like Brother Pablo. Um, I've shared Brother Pablo is my dog. Okay, Brother Pablo is not sweet, by the way. Oh, he's getting sweeter. I, I do love him. But this gentleman and his wife, they had a... A pet, beautiful, they loved this pet. And this gentleman over here who had many, many sheep had a, had a situation where he had a, a guest come over and he was looking to feed the guest. And instead of taking from his own flock, he went and he took the one lamb or the sheep and he slaughtered it and gave the, gave the guest food. And David, when he heard this story from the prophet, he goes, he was angry. How could he? How could he do this? This is terrible. How dare he? And the prophet turned and said to him, that man is you. 
is you. And he revealed, and David, of course, we know he repented. And he said, you know, and, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he confessed his sins and he repented before the Lord. But my point from this story is, end of the day, whether we choose to be authentic or not, God sees everything, right? We can't hide from God. He sees everything. The Bible says in Luke 12 too, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. That's the scripture. The verse here encourages me to keep it real, to stay authentic, to be the real deal because God sees it all. God sees everything. And if I can encourage you, church, like I try to encourage myself, live for the audience of one. Live for the audience of one. When you live for God and you say, God, not everything I do will please men, but I'm living to try and please you. With all my heart, I'm trying to live to please you. Live for the audience of one. Of one. It is more important, church, to me to have God's opinion on me than man's opinion. You know what I mean? So it doesn't matter if, if a whole bunch of people thought I was a great person, but in the background, I'm a sinner. I want to I live honestly and authentically before the Lord and say, God, this is who I am in secret. This is who I am. And as I said before, and I'll say it again, I'm not talking about perfection because we know when no one's perfect. I'm not talking about guiltless, faultless, never make mistakes. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about what do we do when we're in that place? Don't stay in the darkness. Come to the light. Come to the truth. Let me begin to close church by saying this. Authenticity, not only does it set me free, but it also enables me to help others. Who wants to be honest with somebody who pretends to have it all together? Anyone? <laughs> somebody who seems to just be perfect. Nobody wants to open up to somebody like that because, oh, they've got it all together. They've, got, they've, they've never been in a difficult season for themselves. When you are authentic and you say, hey, God, by God's grace, I'm saved. By God's grace, I'm here. If it wasn't for Him, I would not be here. When you live like that, you open yourself up to also be somebody who can help others because suddenly they see that your boast is not in yourself, your boast is in Him, right? And we will continue to boast in Him until the day we meet Him. If it wasn't for what He has done for us, Right? But when we live like that, when we don't just speak it, when we don't just know the theory, but when we live like that and say, hey, you know what? You're struggling, so have I. You're in a bit of a pit, I've been in a pit as well. And let me help you. Let's come together. Let's do this together. We're not designed to do it on our own. Last quote before I kind of finish off. And one of the most important things you can do on this earth is to let people know they are not alone, right? 
authenticity, it helps me, but it also enables me to help others and to let them know you're not alone. You might be struggling, but you're not alone. If you're a parent church, sorry, I'll say it this way. If your parent has struggled with being an alcoholic, you are not alone. If you have struggled with depression, you are not alone. If you have had panic attacks, you are not alone. If your child has rejected God, you are not alone. If you have had battles with insecurity, doubt, lust, anger, and fear, let me tell you something, you are not alone. I wish none of these things were true about me, but many of the things I've just mentioned are true about me. And if we're honest, if we're authentic, we can have a breakthrough by coming to the light and saying, God, I need you. I'm not going to stay hidden. I'm going to just be who I, this is who I am. Faulty, but lo- love the Lord. Don't you love Peter? Peter, passionate for the Lord. One second, he's talking about his loyalty. I will never, I will never, I will never betray you, never. And Jesus said, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. You know, his heart was all in. And yet, even in his authentic love for the Lord, he makes mistakes. So I'm not talking about our failures and our flaws. We all have them. But I'm talking about being authentic and saying, God, I want to make it in this race and I'm going to come to the light. Can we just um, bow our heads and, and I'll have the worship team come back up if that's okay.